0: Hey, everyone. So I'm so excited about this week's episode. I am sitting down with Aaron Garlington, who is a music producer. And we actually had a very interesting introduction. He was my Uber driver. And on the way to my destination, we just got to talking and I got to hear his amazing story about he got how he got involved into the business. And I invited him to be on my podcast. And so I'm just really excited for you guys all to hear his story and how he came to be involved in the music industry. And so I hope you enjoy it. You're listening to the Joy Journals podcast. (music) Welcome, Joy Warriors. Rachel Gombosch here, creator of the Joy Journals and founder of the I Choose Joy movement, a social movement dedicated to showing society through education and action that the joy we seek in our daily lives is instilled in our principles, values, and identity, not in our circumstances. In this podcast, we will be highlighting individuals who make the conscious choice to exude joy in their daily lives. Without further ado, let's introduce this week's guest. Okay, so I want to talk about your... History in the production, the music production industry. Okay. And specifically, I want to talk about how you got involved. Okay. With that, just because I think when we think of music industry, we automatically think of the artists involved mm. and the yeah. people you actually yeah. hear the music from. <laughs> you don't necessarily think about the creators mm. behind it. Yeah. Um, so I want to. I really want to know how you got involved in production and what led you to that path.
1: Okay. Um, well, my childhood was uh, a very interesting one when it comes to like uh, what I wanted to do. I was a very ambitious kid. Um, music was not at all my first passion, and I found out that I was kind of late. Um, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a uh, video game designer. And so, really? yeah, completely different
0: I than was, what I'm doing now. <laughs>
1: totally different. <laughs> completely different. And I went so, I dived, I like dove so heavily into that. Um, when I went to high school, I literally took every computer course that I could in the two years that I was at in my hometown. They had like, I think, eight or nine courses. And I took all of them mm-hmm. because I was like really wanting to do this. But um Musically, I got started, like, I started writing lyrics when I was a kid, and um, I listened to only, like, hip-hop and pop, everything that was on the radio, and as I, like, wrote poetry and wrote lyrics, I just started to find that what I was doing didn't match what I was hearing. Like, I was writing kind of, like, deep stuff and, like, things that didn't really talk about, you know, what's typically on the radio, like, sex and drugs and, you know, just kind of partying type thing, especially that mid-2000s time was a really huge party music kind of thing um, and so one day my friend uh, he gave me his mp3 player and that that tells you a little bit about my age mp3 <laughs> hey
0: i i can relate i remember my little mp3 player I want to think it was like a little Samsung MP3, mm, yeah. it was like silver. It had like plastic buttons. And oh everything man,
1: on it. you yeah. See, I had a cheap one. I had like those ones that were like like twenty bucks from yeah. Target. He had a nice the Zune, the one that was supposed to compete oh. with the iTunes and I, or the the Apple the products. IPod, yeah, and I was like, oh no, no, okay.
0: Yeah, um. I remember my screen was like. <laughs> Uh, no No one can see what yep. I'm showing you, but it was maybe like the tip of your finger. Like, it yep. was so tiny. The, sh-
1: the iPod like Nano scan, Shuffle. It had
0: to, like, scan the, the title across yep. before you could read the whole thing. Yeah,
1: the Nano Shuffle, I think, is what that was called for the the, the iPod. And I'm yeah. like, what is that? Like, how do you? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he gave me his MP3 player while because I needed some music because I forgot mine. And he just, just kind of, he gave me a little bit of a warning. He was just like, hey, there's some different stuff on there. And I was like, what do you mean different? And I'm like, he's like, well, there's some rock, there's some metal, there's some hip hop, there's some pop on there. And I'm like, I'm like everything am okay. the okay, yeah, he's like, there's just random stuff on there. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Yeah. And I'm like, that's fine. And so I just kind of put it on shuffle. And I will always remember that the first song that I ever heard was a song called Diary of Jane by Brick and Benjamin, which is, like, I think one of the best-selling singles of rock, um, modern rock to date, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was just like, what is this? I'm like, I really like this. Why is this so... I'm like, this is so much energy. And I replayed it over and over again, and I let it shuffle in through, like, all of his music, and it, like, came across so many rock songs. And I just, like... I got like swallowed. Like it just kind of like I I found something that it sounded more about what I was trying to write about. Yeah. Because contrary to popular belief, most people are like, oh my god, it's satanic or devilish. Most people don't think that now. Right. But they're just kind of like they're like, oh, I don't get this, and it's Mm -hmm. but it's most of it is pretty deep. Like to be honest, most of it's about like heartbreak and bad pasts and things of that nature and so that was like i really liked that and so i i really started to delve into it and eventually i think two years after that i picked up guitar for the first time against my mom's wishes why she really did not want me to have a guitar because i was not an acoustic person i'm still not an acoustic person i just (laughs) i just didn't feel it i do acoustic for like production point but not for like my own personal music i just never do Um, and so she was just like, oh, it's going to be loud and the distortion and she liked rock, but she didn't want it in her house. Yeah. Um, and so, but, uh, one of the, one of my family friends actually bought it for me and she, they cleared it with her and she was. Not the happiest, but she thought What's I was that just.
0: they cleared it with her. They like, cleared
1: it with her. It was like, like a sample. It was okay. It was
0: okay. Like we cleared it with your mom. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> and
1: it, it was funny because like I was part of the Big Brothers Big Sisters program when I was growing up, and that was who bought it. Was my big brother. Yeah. And he asked me at that point in time because I was just getting into gaming and like really into gaming, and he asked me if I wanted an Xbox or a guitar and I flat out like not even halting just said guitar and he was yeah. like that is not the answer I was expecting yeah at all because he knew when I was in school like trying to get a video like video game design and stuff and he's yeah. like I'm not I was not expecting that yeah. I'm like does that mean an is that a no, no. <laughs>
0: You gave me an option, but really, you only were
1: going to give me one thing? Yeah. And then, uh, grateful enough, he bought me the guitar, and then he actually bought me the Xbox, like, a month later. Wow. Yeah, he got a bonus from his job, and he was just like, yeah, I have an Xbox for you. I was like, what? Big
0: Brothers Big Sisters is a great program. It
1: really is. And I I was very grateful to be in that. As, like, an only child, that was a a big deal. Um, But once I picked up guitar, everything changed. But not not outwardly so like okay. i still continued with guitar I like went with uh game design and was just trying to get better at that but i was playing guitar so often like i got home mm-hmm. and i'd spend four hours on guitar like i wouldn't even touch my homework yeah. i wouldn't watch tv or even touch the xbox after he gave it to me i would play for four hours because my mom was out of the house yeah so i spent every minute that she wasn't home trying to yeah. practice and learning songs and eventually I went through high school I had moved here halfway through high school and just tried to do bands here and there just to kind of have fun and when I graduated that was where I really got into production because I graduated and went to school for photography for a semester and woke up one day and was like I don't want to do that yeah. I'm like what do I want to do and all I wanted to do was just play guitar Yeah, that's all I wanted to do I'm curious
0: because you said um, not you were passionate about guitar or music but not outwardly so mm-hmm. do you think that you know when I hear that I kind of interpret it as it's something you're passionate about but you almost feel like you can't be passionate about it is uh, that is that correct like almost I'm trying to find the right words um, you almost feel like you won't it's something that won't be accepted if it's a path you choose to pursue because yeah. it's kind of it's kind of a path less traveled. By yes, it you think very, about it. very. Um, whereas video gaming, that's a lot of. Mm-hmm. I would think that that's a lot of coding and um, technical. Yeah. There's probably a lot of really mm-hmm. good paying jobs for that.
1: Very. <laughs>
0: um, and so that's it's a different path than than mm-hmm. music, and so. I'm wondering if that pushback is that something you think you could really feel that? Yeah.
1: Um, when so when I got into music, if initially it wasn't even something that like I was even thinking about doing it as a super serious thing. I just really liked guitar, and yeah. I'd always been a writer of sorts. Like I used to try and write novels when I was a kid. Um, because my mom was a writer like she was a creative but an undercover creative is the way I call it because she wrote and wrote and wrote and when I was a kid I was surrounded by notebooks of hers yeah just scribbled it all the way I couldn't read it because her her handwriting is terrible sorry mom. her she wrote in cursive and yeah. she she had the she is the she had the definition of what they consider girly cursive where you mm-hmm. cannot read it but she yeah. was also a server so she has like the chicken scratch too yeah. where they understand it and no one else really no one needs else, to no one else
0: almost <laughs> like what doctors have yeah like- like no one, if you were to give me a doctor's note, I would exactly. have no idea how to read it. But like all the nurses could probably yep. figure it out. Yep. And
1: and they, and they can tell whose it was by exactly how messy it is. Yes. Yep. And it's just like, oh man. So I, but I, eventually I got to the point where there were some notebooks that I could read and I kind of picked up on like reading some of the stuff that she wrote and she was a big suspense and crime novel person. But I was, as I grew up, I was a fantasy person. And so that kind of traveled with me in my creative world. And so like <clears throat> when I got to like playing guitar and stuff like that, it was really weird because I didn't think about even doing it as a career. Um, I was outward with, with playing it. Like I started guitar club at the school that I was with, with one other person um, right after getting guitar. Like I got it for Christmas yep. and like two weeks later when we went back to school, I literally was like, we need a guitar club. And it just, <laughs> yeah. it happened in a week and it was just that quick Um, so it was like everybody knew I did but I also was at what the number one school in Pennsylvania like it was a school that was made to build you into like a high-end career like you know most of the kids that went there were trying to be engineers Uh, like I was doing like video games or computer anything um, yeah, drama and sports. So you had like all of the people trying to go for those, those high end. Yeah, yeah, doctors and and you know there are cre- there was a bunch of creatives there, but that wasn't their focus either. Okay. And still and still to this day, most of the people I know, that's not what they do. Like they're they're still so creative, but they yeah. went in such a non-creative direction. Almost
0: like it, the creative aspect is a. It's a side hobby. It's yeah, a side Yeah, yeah.
1: And so that's kind of how it was for me. It was just like, I really like playing and I really liked doing bands and things like that. Um, but there was definitely pushback uh, when I came here. Uh, my mom is a very, very, very smart person. And she's, uh, she was definitely against the grain uh, mm-hmm. at first with what I was like, trying to do. Because when I came here, I was still trying to figure out because I figured out that I wasn't going to do game design. Yeah. Um, but I didn't. I still didn't know what I wanted to do. So Which was is like, honestly okay.
0: the scariest thing in the entire world when you decide you know you're not going to take the path you're on. but yep. so you have no idea what direction you're going to go. It is
1: terrifying, <laughs> especially when you find it out after you've spent a bunch of money. Well, it yeah. wasn't a bunch of money, but it was a lot of it's money. It's a good chunk
0: of money. It's a good and chunk. And it's a lot of time. It is. It's it is. a lot and of time, and too. And you feel
1: like you wasted it sometimes, but it's like it's a lesson. Like I kind of mm-hmm. try to look everything as a lesson yeah. and not necessarily wasted time. Right.
0: Well, it's also too, you still we're learning. Yeah. Like you still learned information.
1: And yeah. And I now mean, the, and now the skills that I have learned have come back because video game designing and audio engineering aren't all that different. It's yeah. you're using different senses. Yeah. So you're, but you're still using that same mindset. Yeah. You still have to be technical with it, but instead of using your eyes to look at things, you're hearing it. Yeah. Um, And so that was where it was like, where it wasn't so outward was that I didn't know what I wanted to do. And my mom was just like, all right, just like, you know, get into the college thing, you know, that, you know, how every, every parent is really kind of pushing that. Um, and it was really weird because like, right when I was graduating was right at the cusp of where everything was changing so vastly in every industry Mm -hmm. where, Like, college isn't even necessary now. Like, most, and and a lot of parents are feeling that way, too, like, where they're just telling their kid, like, do a trade school or, you know, doing something like that. Well, I think that's
0: actually a statistic, too, is um, a lot of skill set jobs, uh, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: like um, welding, those technician type jobs, um, they're seeing a decline in those because people just don't have the skill set for them. Yeah, because everyone's going to college, exactly, and, and it's pro- it's, it's,
1: a, it's a big problem too. Because like, um, they're they're hungry for new people, yeah. And and I actually saw I saw an example of that recently. My friend, um, he, uh, sorry, she, she was um, just tr- having so many financial problems yeah. and just like struggling and. Um, didn't know what they wanted to do. And so they ended up like applying to all these different, just trying to get an apprenticeship, sending out emails, this and that. And they got an automotive one doing auto body, and now they yeah. make like they make like eighteen dollars an hour now. Yeah. And they they just went from absolutely nothing to this because they got an apprenticeship, and I talked to them about that once. Right. And they were like, "You would be you, you're." I was so surprised. They told me that only one other person had even remotely like contacted them about it yeah. at all, and I'm like, "Really?" And they're like, "Ever." And they've been open for twenty five years, and only like. Only one person in the last, like, five years that even said anything. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's insane. And so I was just, like, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, And so that pushback came right after I graduated because I went to school for photography, and I stopped. And I was like, that's not what I wanted to do. Right. And it took me about a week before I realized I was like, you know what? I'm going to do music. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do it. And it just... Once I said that, I had told my dad, I told my mom, everybody knew. Nobody was supportive of that though.
0: (laughs) Not I was just about to ask, I was like, and the results? Like
1: not one. Um not at all. Um and it was not necessarily because I wanted to do music for for my mom, like not any negative, but she was she was more against it being for the whole as a whole doing music um the rest of my mostly my dad and my sisters they were not really for it because i was doing an alternative style because at first i was just going to be like i'm going to perform and do music and they're like oh well make sure you're doing one that's lucrative like hip-hop or jazz or blues and i'm just like first of all jazz is not all that lucrative anymore but okay i get what you mean (laughs) um And, you know, they're like, you know, make yourself, you know, super versatile in the music you play. And I'm like, well, I don't want to. I don't. I'm a very big person on like, I don't do things I don't want to do unless it's like absolutely necessary. I'm the same. I'm (laughs) the same way. (laughs) And it was just like, I don't need to learn blues or jazz. I did learn theory specifically so I could write. But I was just like, I don't I'm not going to learn things I don't want to learn because if it doesn't. You know, if it doesn't give me joy or further me yep. in the way I want to go, it doesn't matter to me all right. that much. And so everybody was so against it. They're like you're not yeah. going to make a bunch of money in rock or metal, yeah. I'm
0: like it's not about the And money. I will say from like from like a parent's perspective, mm-hmm. and I think this is totally it's a generational thing. It's a gap. Yeah. as said throughout all of history <laughs> always. I could say this for everything. Yep. Um I think parents just want security for their kids. Yeah. And, you know, music is, it's its a risk. It's it a very, very big risk type of industry. An expensive and one, it's too. It's expensive, too. And, I mean, had you said the same thing, if you were going to try to pursue acting or yep. anything else like that, mm-hmm. they, you would have the same exact reaction. Exactly. Any type of industry that you go into that isn't engineering, medical, yep. like isn't one of those big head honcho mm-hmm. industries. Like, I feel as though parents, most likely, they're going to get scared for their yeah. kids and scared for their kids' success. Um, and it's not that your kid can't be successful. You just mm-hmm. have to trust that your child has enough grit to actually yeah. pursue it and get it done. So, And
1: that's where it's like – and it's also like the, the U.S. is like a big cultivator of that, too. Because, I mean, there are, there are people coming all over the world here for – you know, to learn, you know, how to be doctors and engineers, Mm -hmm. like, and then, you know, India, like all of the U.S.'s competitors. That's why they're they're competitors is because they're so, like, they're so great at those things. And then it's just like, but when it comes to music, it's also weird because it's like the U.S. is only like real competitor in music is the U.K. That's about it. and I mean, that's
0: very true. And that's where
1: that can be kind of, bad at the same time because it's like in industries where you don't have very many competitors you don't usually see very much success like the US has so many successful artists and the UK has so many successful artists but there are so many artists out now like you the industry is so easy to put music out like you can like I could make something today and put it out and it'd be out in like two days yeah, and like- I could, it's that easy to put music out now and so now it's like it's so overflowing with people who are doing it that it's even it's harder to do that than to go into me uh into being a doctor or yeah. studying because it's like you kind of have a direct path doing those things music you don't like yeah. you know any kind of art you don't and yeah. That is definitely terrifying for a parent. I would feel the same way. I would definitely push my kids to do what they want to do. But I would definitely be more like, okay, if this is what you want to do, you've got to be, you've got to be business-like about what you do because that's how it is now. The, I think parents don't quite see it. And that's more because people don't always look at it like that is that to be successful in an art, it has to be a business. Yeah. And... People don't think about it that way they're just like yeah i'm gonna make a whole bunch of tracks and i'm gonna and i'm gonna blow up and it's like yeah you got to make the music first of all it's got to be good Yeah. and then
0: <laughs> first of all you can't suck yeah you can't <laughs> suck
1: and then it's like and then second of all you also have to promote it yeah and it's like you have to do you know social media is such a huge thing now and mm-hmm. it's like you have to be on social media to get any kind of coverage like, Lewis Capaldi is a good example. Like, I'd never heard of this guy yeah. ever in my life. And then all of a sudden I heard him on the radio. Mm-hmm. I go on, and his Instagram, he's, like, over, I think he's, like, three million followers. I'm, like, who is this person? Yeah. And that's how he got popular. Like, he was just making, yeah. he's making music in his bedroom. Yeah. He lives with his parents. Like, but yeah. he just makes these funny content and just takes photos of whatever's going yeah. on in his life. And I'm I've like, always
0: said social media is, um, it's your visual resume. Yeah. It's the first thing. Like, if you think about it. If you tell anyone about anything, the first thing odds are they're going to do is check social media. Yep,
1: exactly. Twitter, like a person, Instagram, Facebook, a
0: business. The first thing I always do is I check. I check Instagram.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I've, I, I, I'm not even going to lie. I I cannot stand most social media. I do really like Instagram. I am very late on the Instagram, but it's also more because my my personal doesn't have much to do with what I do like professionally yeah. yet. Um, but, like, I don't like Facebook, but I do, I do very much appreciate, like, Twitter and Instagram. And, yeah. Um, YouTube is definitely my favorite, but it's so hard to use Yeah, until you have a following. a following. Because then, you know, people will just be like, ah, you know, if it's not directly on Facebook, because that's what's still most used, mm-hmm. people are not going to just, like, click a random, like, link yeah. and think, let's go to YouTube, not to mention, you know, uh, YouTube links get zucked. Because they don't like you being they don't like to have traffic directed to a different app. So they just kinda cut the reach of anything that you post from a different site. That's not Facebook or Instagram. I'm like, that's that sucks. Yeah. Jeez. (laughs) So there's like so many factors and you have to think about it like that. And parents don't look at their kids like, yeah, they're going to think about it as a business. They're like, oh, my God, they're just going to make music in their bedroom and they're not going to do anything. And (laughs) they're going to be living with us for the next 40 years. And uh. They're going to have to take over the house and the mortgage. <laughs> like, and I feel, We're they never gonna leave. Yeah, and they're like they don't want that and that's fair because that, that is a very fair assessment. So it's just like yeah. I feel like like parents now have to think about that. It's like if your kid wants to do something creative, talk to them about it being a business, Yeah. not put it down and push them to something else because yeah. it's like there's more creatives in the world than there are technicals now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> No, definitely for sure. So I want to switch directions a little bit and talk okay. about specifically what you do. So obviously you produce, um, and your your niche is kind of you like to do rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what other types of music do you produce specifically? Like what what are you doing when you produce? Are you gotcha. are you just editing the music? Like give the listeners a little bit of an insight as to what you're okay. doing on like a day to
1: day. Well. Uh... What I do depends on the genre. So most of what I do is uh, rock and metal. So a lot of times I'm not really a writer on those types of me- on that type of music. Um, but what I'll do is I'll record uh, the guitars and I'll record like all of the elements and then I'll mix and sometimes I'll master, sometimes I won't. Um, and so my job on those things is typically to kind of help shape uh, what the song is supposed to be. Because usually they'll have like a demo that they either recorded themselves or they just wrote in their garage or something as a band. And then they'll come in and be like, we have this music, we need it to sound good. And I'm like, all right. And so I end up (laughs) becoming pretty much whatever they need me to do. If the song is really well arranged, if it sounds good on its own, my job is just to capture the best performance I possibly can from it. And that's just, you know, tracking multiple layers, getting the vocals as, like, as good sounding as they can be, uh, making sure that I can professionally tell each member, like, that's actually being a part of the recording process, whether they suck or not. Uh, Ooh,
0: <laughs> not how's that?
1: Professionally telling them that. It's so just, what's,
0: what's, like, a good professional, like, you suck? <laughs> uh,
1: it really depends. I think the most recent project that I had that I worked on, it was uh, another band, and they their bassist wasn't the best player and i didn't tell the bassist directly and uh if if you guys end up listening uh if any of you guys end up listening they will not know who it is because i worked with a couple recently Yeah. <laughs> so uh but what ended up happening is they did not play bass up to a recording standard at all like i i'm pretty sure they weren't really i think they were new to the instrument so they were just kind of learning, and I, that wasn't really apparent up until they recorded. So what ended up happening is I had to tell, like, tell the the band the band leader, I was like, "Hey, so I don't think the bass tracks are gonna work out." Um, <laughs> there's a couple ways that I can make them good, like like good enough to be on a recording. Um, but this may be something that you might want to talk about as a band. And so it's like I professionally oh brought it because it's just like I'm blunt because it's like you can't pull punches when it comes yeah. to music because it's one of those things. that's just like if you don't get honest feedback, you're going to fail slower. Yeah, because I mean, you'll, you'll fail here and there no matter like what you do. But yeah, it's just like you'd rather you, it's better to, to fail up front and yeah. then you can learn faster. Yeah. Than to be like, you know, find out five years later that your bass player is not right. playing the same notes as your guitar player. And like, what? It's not well, even the same I'm sure key. it's one of
0: those things, too, where, where as a <laughs> producer, like, it, it's, it's also your music going out. Yeah, like, yeah. Your name is somewhere yeah. on that. So, like, And you have to bad? think about it. You don't, you don't want your mm-hmm. name on that. <laughs> and it's probably,
1: it's, it, that's what's, I think that's one of the biggest motivators of being a producer, too, is becoming what they need and not what you want them to need. Yeah. Um, but you do have to talk to them, too, because when, yeah. you know, I address that situation, that's a good example, too, is that what I ended up doing is I learned their song and recorded the bass myself. And so it's like sometimes you have to be able to go out of the I'm a recording and I'm just the person recording it. I'm just the person mixing it. Sometimes you have to step in and be an active member in that band while they're in your studio, like while you're working with them. Yeah. And that's like I think the most important part of being a producer is that you have to sometimes step out of your own comfort zone because i i'm not super comfortable on bass but i've been playing guitar long enough that i have a very decent handle on bass and i was like i can learn the song and track it the way it needs to sound and by the end of the record it sounded really really good and they're like what did you do and i'm like i and i didn't even tell them that's what i did i just i was like i just sat and learned the song by ear and tracked it and they're like oh wow and i'm like yeah and you have to be hands-on like that and so that's That's what I do on the metal and the rock side of things is just kind of shape what they want for the most part because they already have an idea. So they have already written the riffs. They've already usually written the lyrics and things. So I just try and make it sound the best it can. Yeah. Um, On the hip hop and pop side of things, I typically make beats for people and then they'll put something over it and then I step into that realm again. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, here's a pack of some beats or something. And they'll find some song and they're like, oh, I want to write something to this. And I'm like, all right, cool. And they'll either come in and sit with me and we'll write together or they'll write something and come in and then we'll kind of piece it apart, arrange it and make it sound as good as possible. So they'll bring their ideas that are not as solidified right. in for the track and then we'll just make layers make it sound good make it sound dynamic and then then put it out yeah and so it's not vastly different but when it comes to like hip-hop and pop I guess it's like it's a little more simple um it's not a scientific rock and metal is a very scientific art when it comes to recording mm, hip-hop uh, hip-hop and pop is not as bad because yeah. like you can you can be like Billie Eilish is a good example she makes all her stuff in like, her brother's bedroom studio with her. Like, they're they're just yeah. making music, and it's topping charts. Like, yeah. it's not the most technical. They're just using their ears and just making what sounds good to them and putting it out and just happen to sound good to, like, millions of people. Yeah. <laughs> and so when it comes to that, it's slowly changing for rock and metal, but there's still such a technical side of it, and it's it's overwhelming yeah. sometimes, but it's still just making it sound as good as possible taking their ideas or supplying them with some ideas to play with but making them and their ideas sound as good as it possibly can yeah. before it enters you know other people's ears right cuz wow. you know you have all of this time to make it like to let it go through being bad but it's um, once it's once it's out there it's out there yeah. you just you you don't like, control it at all and so it's just like we want to make it sound as good as possible. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, so in the production industry, I guess what what are some of the biggest challenges that you've come across?
1: Um, hmm. I think the biggest challenge is one finding people to work with, um, and it's not always that you're finding. There's always people who want to work with you. Um, it's being able to decipher who you want to work with because okay. you know you'll have like like for me personally there's quite a few bands that like will be like hey i want to do a song or i want to do this and then you know you kind of list out what you need from them so that they're prepared they get the best out of it and you know sometimes they won't do those things and you're yeah. just like i gave you a list of things and yeah it, It can be as simple as like, hey, change your guitar strings before you come, so that you know we can get a nice crisp sound. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many problems I've had with that. Where they just don't change their strings, and I'm like, that is a very simple thing. And I'm just, and you can hear it. And that's one of those things that, like, if once you're used to it, it makes a vast, a very big difference Mm -hmm. because it's not punchy. It doesn't have this clarity to it, and that's a big staple for that genre. Um, So that's a big one of the biggest challenges is just making sure, like trying to get people who, who are very se- as serious about their music being good as I am about it right. being good. Cause I want them to sound amazing. And it's like, but do you want you to sound amazing? Right. Um, so I that's, definitely
0: understand that, yeah. <laughs> Cause, I mean, essentially it's, it's a consulting business. Yeah. If you yeah. really can, if you break it down and I, I'm in a consulting world, obviously mm-hmm. totally different from producing. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> But like it is, it's really hard when you're trained to look for certain things and you kind of know you have mm-hmm. a specific checklist of, hey, do this and this and this. Or, yep. you know, I don't really recommend you doing this, but they're yep. like, no, or mm-hmm. actually, no, I didn't do that. Or yep. they haven't prepared properly. And all you can think about is I literally gave you five things to exactly. do. Exactly, <laughs> That's all you had to do.
1: And it, it is frustrating, <laughs> too, because usually and it's usually simple things. That's like mm-hmm. the biggest thing about recording is that. Like, it's the source, not the the end result that yeah. is really like it's not what happens after recording that makes it sound good it's the initial recording right. and so that's what I usually give tips on I'm like hey you know change your strings make sure you change your strings for your guitars and your bass Right. Um, make sure you've warmed up before you came for if on a day that you're doing vocals and you like I have so many people come in and they're not warmed up they're like they're like it's okay I was you know I practiced yesterday and I'm like that's not the same you're thing you like that
0: was 12 hours ago exactly
1: Exactly, <laughs> and and it's also always problematic because most most metal and rock producers are musicians in that area of yeah. music themselves, um, and
0: and of course that that specific style of music you're like you of all people
1: should know need to warm up exactly, and it's just like because you're either belting, you're doing
0: harsh vocals, yeah.
1: and it's just like you know I can wake up and do those style those types of vocals, but what happens is it deteriorates very quickly, yeah, and it's just like and it's like warm up wait an hour bring water and then like I have people bringing like sugary juice and soda in here and I'm like yeah I know you're probably self I have a good drink for you
0: to tell people so I used to work at Starbucks and at UC's Mm. campus and we used to make a drink called a CCM CCM for like the college conservatory music oh I've
1: heard about that but I didn't know what it was so it's
0: um, mint majesty this is for anyone listening you're welcome um it is a mint majesty tea steeped Ooh. in apple juice and the singers oh used to do it like before a performance it's also oh. the best drink if you're sick yeah. like the mint is cooling to your throat but the apple mm-hmm. juice is like almost like a um like a coat like a throat coat yeah oh my gosh it is literally I've- the best drink so you should recommend. I'm that gonna to
1: definitely. People. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try that myself too. because yeah. I'm, I'm gonna be here. I'm gonna be tracking myself here soon, so I'll probably need that. Yeah. I have like three boxes of throat coat like tea yes. at my
0: house. Yes. <laughs> like it's a great
1: drink. <laughs> like like I literally have it. that for the reason for people like they'll be like, oh, I haven't warmed up, or they'll have like their water, or, their, or they'll have like their sugary drinks. I'm just like
0: you roll your on, eye, you roll your eyes and you're just like over there. Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm just like I'm like I have
1: a Keurig. Put the tea bag <laughs> in the Keurig. Make a cup. Yeah. Know, You'll yeah. thank me later. Yeah,
0: you're welcome.
1: <laughs> you're welcome. Don't
0: say I never did anything for you. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> but I think that's definitely the biggest challenge. The, the only other challenge that I come across is really just like people understanding like that it's not easy because everybody yeah. thinks, oh, man, anybody can record, um, especially um, especially in the black community, to be honest, yeah. um, I get a lot of push back on that thing on that specifically is that they're like oh anybody can learn to do this and it's just like no you can't and I've had a lot of people I know that like they record themselves and they'll do this and they'll put songs out especially on SoundCloud and they're like why am I not blowing up and I'm just like because you're you're starting to become more of a jack-of-all-trades instead of sitting and really learning and honing on one or the other. Yeah. If you want to be an artist, you've got to focus on that for a little while. Yeah. And then the other stuff can come later. If you yeah. want to be a producer, you've got to focus on that. Then your artistry can come later. Right. And for me, it was the first. It was the artist first and then production. And it's like you've got to, you've got to decipher what you want to do first. And right. then you have to be so obsessed with it that you become good at it. Because it's, it's
0: finding that niche. Yeah. Because it's true. Like, I mean, I think that goes for also like any industry. You kind of yeah. like you want to be an artist, so you just paint everything. Like, yeah. <laughs> what, what's your actual niche? Like, what are you mm-hmm. a perfectionist at? Like, yep. what is your expertise? Mm-hmm. Because that's what's going to get you to go. For.
1: Exactly, and what makes you different too? Right. And it's it's really hard to be different when music is so saturated now too. Right. It's not that you necessarily have to be different. It's like, you just have to, if you're going to do something that's similar to somebody, no matter what, even if you copy someone, it still has you in it. Right. Um, unless, you know, you take your voice out of it or take right. your, your own right. playing out of it. But it's just like, you've got to find a way to, you know, you've got to experiment when you start doing anything Yeah. and really look at the feedback you get from other people. Right. And you don't always have to stay with that. But I think the biggest thing that I realized was how I ended up getting artistry is I've my current project is mixing hip hop and metal and rock together, but in a way that like their actual hip hop beats underneath these things, yeah. like they're all intertwined and stuff. And it's like I did song, I did a, just such a wider range of different sounds um in previous projects, and I just kind of listened like what songs were hits with the, the fans that we had mm-hmm. and which ones kind of flopped which ones did i right. really really like and thought were great regardless of what other people thought right which ones that i think sucked which was like 80 percent of them because <laughs> artist conundrum you hate everything you you do yeah. for the most not really but a lot of it yeah and so that's where i was like you know you have to listen to that feedback and not be like you know i'm just gonna do my own thing it's just like That's where you have to look at it as a business because you, if you want to blow up or get popular and make that your living, you have to remember that your listeners are customers as well as fans. Right. Like, you have to be able to capitalize on, like, if this one song blows up, maybe not immediately, but maybe put out a couple other songs that are similar to it. Yeah. You know, because they like that vibe of you. Right. But then they'll probably enjoy that you have some other different stuff, too. And so that's a big deal. Yeah, And
0: I think that's that's something a lot of people don't realize is these artists who do, you feel like they just came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. They didn't actually just come out of nowhere. Like in reality, they've been creating music and producing music and Mm -hmm. have been working at this for years and years and years. And then finally, the song that they probably actually put out like two or three years ago is the one that hits through and became a hit like
1: old town road good example that song was out for a year and a half i believe maybe i think it was a year to a year and a half before it even like got popular It, it hit the ears of like a whole bunch of people a lot of people liked it and then all of a sudden, it got the remix with Billy yeah. Ray Cyrus. And when that happened, it just, it, what was it? I think it was like maybe eight, nine weeks it was on the top. It was, it was, yeah, and it, it was, was like number
0: one. For yeah, a while. yeah, and
1: I was just like, in it's catchy. I wasn't a huge fan of it, but it I was one of those either. it was one of those fun <laughs> songs that you can just kind of jam to, but you're just yep. like, I hate hearing this so often. Yes. <laughs> but it did so well. And then you but then you realize it's like that song didn't just come out. Yeah. But, like the remix did, but that song's been out for years. That's why the remix yep. even happened. Is they were like, What? I think somebody would be really good for this. And he's like, you know how how interesting a song has to be to somebody for them to be like Billy Ray would be really good on it. I'm like <laughs>
0: I'm, and it's Let's like bring him back
1: and it's like where, <laughs> like i still i had no i never looked this up but i'm wondering like i still wonder I'm like how did that even happen like yeah. did he hear it and be like yes. i want to get on that, that you, you know <laughs> this this guy who sings achy breaky hard
0: yeah
1: put on this song yeah. like what <laughs> and yeah. so yeah and it's just it takes a lot of time uh for people and even the ones that it might you know skyrocket What ends up being is just that people who have been slowly and slowly following this artist, they end up putting out one song that everybody, like almost all of their fans just Mm -hmm. was like, no, this is amazing. I got to share this everywhere. And that's what happens. And especially that happens for bands. is like, you know, they'll be like, oh, this song's cool. That song I didn't really like, and you're like, oh my God, this song is absolutely amazing yeah and then all of a sudden they're sharing it everywhere and you can see it if you ever like see like really popular songs like on uh, on bands or on artists uh, you, Facebooks mm-hmm. and you'll see um, you'll see like all the the likes and the comments and things like that. And those are important, but the biggest thing is the shares that yeah. that shares area is the most important for people to see the shares and the views. Because, like, I'll go to somebody who has, like, like just released a song and they'll be like, oh, they got maybe, you know, 50 likes or reacts and then they have maybe 20 comments. Yeah. But then they'll have, like, 100 shares. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a lot more important because that means you just, you know, if you got 100 shares... All of the people that share that, there's approximately probably 25 to 50 people that are at least going to scroll past that. Right. And I'm like, that's a big metric. Right. Even on a small scale, that's a big metric.
0: Right. Because when you like something, that's you liking it. But when you share it, just like you said, that's who, however many other people you're friends with that they're not friends with Mm are going to see it.
1: Yeah. And it's and it's always like and it always and you always have that one friend and it's always like a good example to like pay attention to people too, especially in your own friend circles is there's always those few people that when they have music recommendations, people flock to them. Yeah. And I like I I found out like a really great way to do that was um, a song that I put out uh, with an old band of mine. I asked a friend that like they always put out like they always share stuff and they get like all these comments and they talk in them and they're just a, they're just not a public figure or a musician. Yeah, they, they just have friends that are like, oh, they have good music taste. And I was like, could you share this? Yeah, and they're like, yeah, and so much more response. It's like you've got to be able to capitalize, unfortunately, on your friends. Like, that. yeah, <laughs> but it's what not are, always a better friends
0: for. Yeah, it's like,
1: <laughs> hey, you know, you know, you don't have to tell them that you're you're using them for a metric, and that yeah. you know, you just you know throw a heart in there and be like, hey, I'd appreciate it if you shared, it. and it's like, you know, and they usually won't care, you know, yeah. even if it's trash, they probably won't care, yeah, you know, <laughs> and that's that's where those things get really really. Yeah, you you think about how much um, how much work goes into that to make anything big. Yeah, and yeah, it's not just the song; it's everything else around it. Mm-hmm. Song is like twenty percent of what is even important. Like the song has to be good, so you have to make sure that that twenty percent is yeah. the the one hundred percent of that twenty percent. Right, and then you have to go one hundred percent on the rest of the eighty before yeah. it, it even does anything. The branding, mm-hmm. the marketing, yeah.
0: the reach out, like outreach i don't know why i said reach out, yeah but yeah it's everything i mean really that's true mm-hmm. Or capitalist yeah. society like everything you have to it everything works like a business yeah
1: and it's just like and a lot of people don't want to look at it like that and i get it because it's just most people want to be an artist and yeah. it's just like and it's it's a great and a bad thing like the way society is now is that it used to be where music would, had gatekeepers. Like, you you put something out and you hoped, you pitched it to record labels mm-hmm. or pitched it to DJs and radio stations, like, please play my song, please, please, please. Yeah. And then, you know, if you got lucky enough, you got signed, and then yeah. all of a sudden, you're popular, you're, you're playing <laughs> arenas and stuff like yeah. that. And now there's no gatekeepers, which is a good and a bad thing. It's like, you don't have to worry about absolutely impressing one person or a couple people in right. these you know these big companies but the problem with that is is that you now have to impress more than those those few people yeah. because if you impress those few people they were like we can put you out to 100 million people and we'll let them decide yeah. and that was what they were doing they're like you know that what, was we'll their take job. A, like, yeah, yeah we'll take a chance Let this hundred million people, you know, that we can get you out to, we'll let them decide if we keep going with you or not. Yeah. And that's usually what they'll do. They'll put a single out. They'll let you record, use absolutely everything that they have at their disposal, make one amazing song and then put it out. And that's usually how they would do it. And then if you did really well, you had a record deal. Yeah. And that was it. And I was like, that's, you know, that's great. But now it's like, you can put out music so easy. So it's just like, you, you're not you're not sitting there worrying about having to impress all these, like these few little people mm-hmm. here and there, but now you are the business. You have to do your promotion. You have to do all the marketing and the pictures yeah. and all of that. And you have to spend a lot more of your own pocket money to get anywhere. And that's yeah. scary. That's terrifying. Cause you're yeah. like, I'm going to put a thousand dollars into one song. And is it even going <laughs> to make me back 20 bucks? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and yeah, and it's, it's like the best, the best uh, thing I ever heard was, uh, Musicians, or especially for when it comes to rock, like you know musicians will put a th- like t- om- sometimes like five thousand dollars worth of gear into like a five hundred dollar car to make fifty dollars. Yeah. And I'm like, that's that's very true. Yeah. And it's like that. It's it's always been kind of like that, but it's so much more like that now in yeah. every industry. And it's just like, yeah. If you don't look at it like a business, you're going to be just. St- some person that just puts out music and that their friends are like yeah they put out some decent tracks or why your haven't five you grown up really
0: enjoy it yeah yeah yours,
1: <laughs> yeah those five people that are constantly liking your memes are probably the people that are constantly they're liking like your, your music your too, music too. <laughs> <laughs> they're like yeah well, this is fire why yeah, isn't this blown up I mean, probably because i haven't put a dollar into marketing yeah well
0: so hopefully those five people really really enjoy it yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: Just like thanks all of you guys for coming out to my okay. concert, all five
0: of you. All five of you. <laughs> I hope this garage isn't too cold. Yeah. <laughs> um so real quick, I want to know who some of your favorite artists have been who you've had the opportunity to work with. Because uh, I'm sure you've had quite a few. Uh,
1: yeah. But
0: so just to give our listeners a little, you know, you can publicize a little bit some of these artists mm-hmm. you've worked with. <laughs> um
1: so a couple I can't say, unfortunately, um, oh, that's okay. but I think one of my favorites was um, on the production side, I've worked with mostly hip hop. Um, but I think my favorite that I've worked with was um, one, my project, because that's one that's just kind of given. Um, but it was a band called Forlorn. They were they have a really good, uh, really good sound. Um, and they were kind of newer to um, mm-hmm. a lot of it, and they but they really had a a, a good energy about them. Yeah. and I was just like, and they put out you know a, a good product, and I was like, I was really happy with it. You know, everything can still be tweaked a little, but it's when you're working with newer bands, it's it's always gonna be rough when you yeah. first release some stuff. Um, it
0: must be really cool though, because you're kind of part of that shaping them yeah and like I it's love not someone that. that they're already established so they come in marching in and they're like no it needs to sound this this and that mm-hmm. like you're part of shaping who they're going to become
1: exactly and i really like that and i also really like i most of most of the people i worked with it hasn't been directly me like full-on one-on-one mm-hmm. it's been me in sessions and helping yeah. with stuff and i think um i think one of the my favorite things so far like working with is uh i've worked with a couple part people pop artists and they've just been, like, uh, not full on released yet, but I've been, like, in sessions with them, like, with the songwriting and kind of helping with the layers, Um, because I'm, funny enough, I'm a minimalist kind of recording person, like, I like there to be layers, but I don't like there to be a ridiculous amount, Yeah. Um, so I usually end up being um, the person that will take, like, that'll sit with someone else's session, and like I'll sit there while they're creating something and I'm like that is too many layers take those <laughs> you're out you're <laughs>
0: like too much scale it back <laughs> right or I'm just
1: like oh that note was a little flat or yeah. like you know fix that like you know trying yeah. to get them you know really really pushing into things and I that's my favorite part of it is just like you know boosting their confidence like yeah. that part was great give that part give this yeah. part that's not as great that same energy yeah. and we'll have a great record and yeah. you know that makes it really cool um I think so far, though, that band was one of my favorite, and um, actually funny enough, she's actually over there oh. um, but my my friend Corey uh, is one of the people that I usually do like vocal sessions with, and I have in the past and uh, she was really really fun to do those yeah. with because great voice. Um, Sometimes we'd work with a producer, like she had a producer that would have so many layers and I was always the person that was just kind of like, just like, all right, take that out of there, maybe cut that out. And so it was just kind of like making a placement and arranging. And that's been my favorite thing so far. So those two have been my favorite. And then um, just working on my own personal stuff because I produce that too, which is stressful, but it's always fun to work on my own because I get to be a songwriter first and then when i'm like all right let me record it and i'll sit there and be like that is terrible right let me fix this (laughs)
0: like that you can be harsh on yourself yeah yeah
1: i i get to be like i can be uh, subjective and objective at the same time and it's it's kind of fun and taxing. Yeah. No, <laughs> but I, yeah.
0: I totally understand that. <laughs> well, to wrap this up, I've got a few just kind of fun questions okay. that I've been asking in all the previous podcasts. They're very laid back. Okay. So <laughs> um, what is your favorite pump up song?
1: Pump up song? Yeah. Like, what gets uh, you going? Okay. Um. Wow. I have so many.
0: <laughs> you can name a few. If you feel
1: um, I'd have to say, to be honest, pretty much anything from Breaking Benjamin, to be honest. Um, a band called Wage War, uh, Join, anything Joiner Lucas. I think the most, the most pump-up song that I've been uh, really bumping from him is uh, one of his songs, uh, Isis. Which is really, yeah, it is. It's a really interesting. Good song. It's a very good song. It has, it almost has nothing to do with actually ISIS. Yeah, but, <laughs> I
0: was about to say, really. <laughs> yeah, but
1: it's it's Joyner Lucas and um, oh, I'm so I just blanked all on his name. I'm so upset. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, but it, it's one of his like one of his songs, and then also he has a song that got released a couple months ago that I am really upset that I found a couple weeks yeah. ago called uh adhd which huh. is um it's it kind of a personal song because he's yeah. talking about having adhd yeah. but just the vibe of it is very new age but yeah. not at the same time and it, he does it very very well and so yeah. like if i throw that on i'm just like i'm just like right. yes i'm just yeah. i'm, I'm milli rocking on every block just every edge down the street i'm just like yep this is my <laughs> this is my thing
0: that's so awesome so uh, okay so what is either one crazy thing you used to do as a child or one of your favorite childhood memories?
1: Oh, man, I did a lot of crazy little fun things. Ah, oh, your favorite childhood memory? Um, hmm. One of my, my favorite childhood memories is going to Disney World with my mom. Like, that was... I've actually never been to no? Disney No? Oh, my God, my Disney World is great. My best friend,
0: literally, probably is just... Crying over this because she's a Disney fanatic. Really, she's always like we're gonna go, we're gonna go. So I'm <laughs> like, I've never
1: been. <laughs> it is. That was really. That was a really fun experience. Um, I have to say though, probably one of the. I think the most like weird. I think that's actually kind of does both. It's one of my favorite things, but it's also really, really weird. Is that I used to storm chase with my mom. And so in Erie, you know, there's no really? tornadoes or anything. So we don't, we're not doing what? that. But we had a balcony at our apartment um, that we moved out of uh, when I was, like, 12, I believe. Uh, or so we moved there when I was 12. Yeah. And we had this overhang so that we could watch when it was raining because it wouldn't rain yeah. on us. And so we used to do this all the time. And when it was raining really, really hard, like, none of us had any anxieties about driving or anything like that. So we would go out and just chase lightning and like watch it like just cracking in the sky and just like driving through like really heavy yeah. rain just just for the just the, the thrill and it. the fun of it and <laughs> oh yeah erie has a has a um a peninsula called Presque isle and yeah. it's 13 miles long all the way around so you yeah. go in one end and it wraps all the way around and then come out the other and it has part of the lake and then our city skyline on one side, yeah, and then the other side is just the lake. If you go straight from there and you just keep going straight north, you hit Canada, oh. because so it's just open, yeah. open lake. Um, and so there's beaches on each side. And so sometimes when we'd storm chase, we'd either go to the airport or we would just drive around the peninsula, just like watching lightning yeah. cracking and just watching that, and then seeing the Coast Guard because Canada's right there. Yeah. So there's just Coast Guard just just scanning the water. Just, oh my gosh. It was, it was just fun. And wow there would be days like, I think the best time we ever did it was uh, she kind of like shocked me with it. Uh, we were watching a movie. Like, we had gotten pizza yeah. and got all settled in with a net, uh not Netflix, with a Redbox movie. Yeah. And we were getting ready, and then just this big storm started. And we like walked out and it, we just watched it from the balcony for a while. And then she's like, I'll be back. And I'm standing on the balcony and she goes into her room. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then she comes out with her jacket and her shoes and her pants and everything. And I'm like, and she's like, you want to go storm chasing? And I'm like, what? yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> like, I get dressed really quickly and we're out there for like two hours. Yeah. And uh, we drove by the airport and we see this gigantic like lightning strike. And it couldn't have been more than a few miles because when it struck we saw dirt fly. Yeah. And we're like, oh my God, that hit somebody's field. Yeah. Oh my God. And we're just like, that is so cool. when most people be like, uh, we should go home. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that's definitely one of the weirdest things, but one of my favorite things. That is so things. cool.
0: That's so memorable though. Yeah. That's awesome. And I still
1: do that to this day. Like if it's super stormy, yeah. uh, I'll just go out in it. And yeah. I'll just drive and just out in Hamilton and just like in Northern Kentucky and yeah. just watch it all. Yeah, so. that's
0: so cool. Okay, last question. Where can our listeners follow you and your journey to producing <laughs> music? Where can they listen to some music that you've produced?
1: Okay, um, so I currently have an Instagram that's called uh, it's Inspired Apollo, God of Music. So I had to take on that name because I liked it um <laughs> so i kind of center everything wow. around that for the most part but um th- my instagram is inspired apollo unfortunately it's dry for the time being but that's actually going to change uh in january because cool. um what's going to be happening is i'll be launching uh, a new band uh and project called apollo dawning that is going to be pretty much taking over my instagram there'll be covers and things okay. and that and that particular instagram will be where you can hear All of like beats that I'll share, Mm -hmm. anything that I've produced in the past, um, things that I will produce, um, including my own stuff. Yeah. And then uh, anything that uh, people want to check out that's from my past uh, serious project, um, they can go on uh, anything you can stream music on YouTube, Spotify, um, Apple Music uh, under the name Project Alex uh, with a K uh, because it was weird. And we wanted to be be edgy, so we added a K to it instead of a C. Um, And that was our old music, and so the new music is just an evolution of that. So you can find me under Aspire, Paul or absolutely anywhere on those platforms under that.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for meeting with me today. Of course. It was was Um, fun. It was really awesome talking with you and getting to to hear about (laughs) this industry um, and getting an insight into it. So I thank you for your time. Of course. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of The Joy Journals. Be sure to subscribe to our channel and leave us a rating. We want to make sure we are spreading joy and inspiration to as many people as possible, and leaving a rating will help get us there. To learn more about the I Choose Joy movement, please visit our website at ichoosejoymovement.com where you can find ways to get involved, download our templates for our impact cards, nominate future guests to be on the show and send requests to book speaking engagements at your events until next time joy warriors.